Good morning, afternoon, evening, whatever time of day it might be when you're listening in today, folks. This is Joe Szymanski bringing you another one of our Virginia 2021 interviews. Uh, with me today, I am very excited to announce we have another incumbent with us today. Uh, he is the incumbent delegate from the 84th District in the House of Delegates, Glenn Davis. Uh, delegate Davis, thank you for coming on with me today. Oh, Joe, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, so delegate, this this first question I ask to anyone who comes on with me, and I want to ask, what made you first decide to run for delegate? Well, so I was a city council member in Virginia Beach for five years before that, and I got tired of everything just being passed downhill, right? I mean, you know, it, city councils were the rubber meets the road. Uh, the state had a habit of uh, passing laws and passing the buck to local governments to deal with, and uh, so I thought we needed more local government representation. Uh, in Richmond, which is one of the reasons I ran also as a as an entrepreneur. I'm very passionate about uh, helping small businesses and entrepreneurs grow and flourish. And uh, I thought there needed to be more representation in Richmond uh, for them. Okay, so a lot has changed uh, since you were first elected in 2013. Uh, the Republicans had a supermajority when you were first elected, but now are currently in the minority. I mean, how have you changed the way you've governed personally in that time with such massive shifts in the setup of the House of Delegates? Well, I mean, I don't think I've changed how I've governed at all. I mean, my beliefs, my values, uh, the principles have all been the same. Uh, unfortunately, the piece of legislation that uh, we that used to go through that we could discuss on the floor are not making it to a committee or and definitely not to the floor of the House of Delegates anymore. Um, there's been uh, attacks on many things that uh, that Virginians hold dear uh, that, uh, unfortunately, there hasn't been robust discussion on, on the floor and just been attacks and bills passing out of committee and off the floor on straight party line votes. But as far as I'm concerned, I mean, me governing uh, hasn't changed. I, I'm on the firearms subcommittee, one of three Republicans with nine Democrats. So those discussions have become much more lively. Uh, as you can imagine, but uh, but my my principles haven't changed. Yeah, and so another one of those you know big shifts have been in your district. Uh, just not not just in your district, but the Virginia Beach area in general has shifted towards Democrats a lot more since you were first uh, elected. And how, I want to know how you've dealt with that change within your own district and area. Well, you know, so when I was on city council, we're nonpartisan. We don't have a DR next door name, so. I had a great relationship back then and still do uh, with members of the black community, the uh, Latino community, the Filipino community, uh, and I still have them today. And, and I go with all these groups every year to uh, discuss legislation, find out what is important to their communities, uh, go into different um, um, neighborhoods around my district and, and meet with them. So, you know, we I, I won pretty convincingly in 2014. Um, we won uh, without opposition in, in uh, or sorry, in 13. We won with opposition in, in 15. We won pretty well in 17. And we still, you know, uh, I mean, just to, even being outspent $1.1 million to 250000 still won by 519 votes in 19. Because I think people understand, you know, respect that, you know, we, no one agrees on everything 100% of the time. Um, but I've always got um, the best interest of my district in mind. And I'm always meeting with communities to find out how we can better help them and represent them and, and make Virginia Beach continue to be the best place to work and, and raise a family. Yeah, and speaking of that community, Virginia Beach has a large military presence, obviously being on the coastline mm -hmm. there. And I want to know kind of 
uh, with the issue coming to veterans and uh, current in-service members, kind of what what's your policy to help them with costs such as health care and, you know, st- items like that to make sure that, you know, our veterans and our service members are taken care of when they're not sent out on deployment? Sure. Well, there's a couple of things that uh, that we've done over the years, and we need to continue to grow on. Uh, so we, one of the first uh, veterans care clinics in Virginia is uh, is going to be in Virginia Beach, and um, that is the facility to help uh, them from a, whether it's liaison with different entities, uh, the VA, whether it's with transition out of the military. We now have a, um, a military spouse liaison. A lot of our military members are sent to Virginia Beach. Uh, and to Virginia in general, uh, where their military spouse is, is, is immediately deployed, if not deployed before they move. And, uh, and that spouse is looking for, how do I do certain things in this new community? How do I find certain organizations uh, for assistance? Um, so we've done that. And then lastly, you know, we, we need to uh, continue to help with the education side. A lot of our military members and veterans are looking to um, continue their education uh, while they're in the military or when they get out. And we need to continue to help our universities understand the skill sets that they develop in the military and what that relates to uh, for course credit. Uh, so I think that's extremely important. And then lastly, is keeping our veterans. And that has to do with the income tax. You know, Virginia is one of those states that does tax military members' retirement pay, which is why we lose a lot of our military members out of the area upon retirement. And that hits uh, our workforce pretty hard. Those are the people that are still, you know, they're young, they're looking for that second career and, uh, and is a great asset to our workforce if we could keep them. Yeah. And another thing that you've been, I, what seems to be a huge advocate as delegate is bringing uh, tech jobs to Virginia. And if I, I hope I've seen this story correctly, I believe going to Estonia in 2016 yep. to attempt and bring jobs to Virginia that way. Uh, but in the aftermath of the pandemic, do you think that the tech field is still the best way to bring jobs back to the Commonwealth of Virginia? Uh, you know, I, I think it is. I mean, so the pandemic taught us a number of things, one of which is that uh, that in certain areas, we do need to better utilize technology. Uh, obviously, when it comes to uh, working remotely and those types of opportunities, whether it be in, in, you know, in government in Virginia or, you know, helping industries and, and innovation flourish for the private sector. Additional, obviously, for our schools. Uh, and making sure that there is a good, solid, safe alternative uh, to help our kids learn, uh, whether it be in classroom or out of classroom, God forbid something happens again. Uh, but even outside of the pandemic scenario, uh, innovation and technology is, is always changing. Um, if Virginia could be at the forefront of that, and uh, you know, it could be a leader on a number of things, whether it's cybersecurity, whether it's energy research and development, like I went to Estonia for uh, for uh, some stuff that was going on with graphene research out there, or you know, with bringing back the next generation of delivery robots, which is the other company I met with out there, and those delivery robots are on the campus of George Mason and James Madison universities today, uh, delivering uh, uh, breakfast and lunches to the campus uh, students uh, and faculty. Yeah, I I can tell our listeners as a student of George Mason, I very much have a appreciated those robots on rainy nights when it, when it, things are normal in my freshman year. I can tell you that. But moving on now, uh, the issue of right to work uh, is expected by Maine to kind of be a major issue this cycle. And I kind of want to know what your position on that issue is and whether you think Virginia needs to keep it or get rid of it. We have to keep it for a number of things. Um, no person should ever be told to keep their job that they have to pay union dues. I mean, let's understand what right to work means. Right to work 
is basically the right to work without having to be forced to pay to have a job. Um, if you get rid of right to work, then the unions can come in, take over, set up their shops, and to keep your job, you will be forced to tithe to them. Uh, there's only one entity that I've ever believed in tithing to, uh, and that's a church. So, you know, everything else should be voluntary. And, uh, you know, and that's, uh, and, and, you know, the, uh, the unions uh, don't want that. They want it to be forced uh, tithing, um, you know, for a job. So the second thing, though, is you have to realize what that does to our best place to, to bring businesses. Um, it definitely impacts business bottom line. And then lastly is what it does to um, uh, the, the ability for us in our bond rating. Virginia has a AAA bond rating today, which means that when we go build roads and infrastructure, we get great interest rates. Uh, in, in many, uh, there, there was a time a couple years ago where it was during some tough economic times, and the rating entities came back and said one of the you know one of the main reasons why we kept our AAA bond rating was because of our right to work status. Um, so we need to keep that. The Democrats, when we were in the supermajority, as you you spoke about, Joe, the Democrats said we would never do anything to injure right to work. We actually tried to put in a constitutional amendment to protect that right to work status, and the Democrats. Uh, all their leadership, we, we we don't have to do this. We'd always protect it. They were lying. Um, they have gone after it now two years in a row. They will go after it next year. And with Terry McAuliffe, they will get rid of right to work. Um, and a lot of people think this is nuanced, but this is one of those little underlying issues that will change people's lives. But it's not sexy, but it's important. Yeah. So moving moving on to another uh, key issue uh, in the field of education, you know, there's going to be the talk about school choice. Uh, a lot here, you know, with the differences between private schools and charter schools and public schools. Uh, and I know that it's an issue that affects uh, your area of Virginia Beach a lot. So I want to know your position on school choice. Sure. So, look, there, every child, regardless of zip code, should have the chance to get an education to allow them to reach their full potential. And that does not exist uh, in Virginia. And it doesn't exist because Virginia has some of the worst charter school laws in the nation. Uh, whereas, you know, we've got, I think, a couple hundred charter schools in North Carolina. We've got eight in Virginia. I helped start a charter school in Virginia Beach. Um, it's an international baccalaureate program. It has, it's um, uh, 70% minority students, 49% free and reduced lunches. And we have, uh, two years ago, the highest SOL test scores on every test in the city. Um, and that's and it's because school choice allows alternative education opportunities to exist. And some of them that bring wraparound uh, services as well, whether it's nutritional, health, dental. It's it's amazing when you go to whether it's um, uh, Harlem Children's Zone in New York with Jeffrey Canada or some stuff in South Carolina, what's been done to help students succeed, especially those in underserved areas. Um, but those students don't have that chance in Virginia because we don't allow for school choice. It's a travesty. Uh, I am getting sick and tired of the Democrats wanting to talk about you know, we need to do things and help certain communities when they're the ones that are causing the problems. You want to help certain communities, allow every child to get the foundation necessary to reach their full potential. End of story. And the Democrats won't do it. OK, moving on to a more a topic that was more recent. You did run and fail to gain the Republican nomination for lieutenant governor this past spring. But you're running for reelection here. But I do want to know, can you confirm to your constituents that you are 100% focused on the 84th district now, and you won't just be looking for the next promotion uh, once you're reelected. Oh, definitely. Look, I, you know, if anyone knows about me, it's uh, I, I'm not exactly great on work-life balance. 
Um, you know, I'm either 110% in on something or I'm not in at all. You know, running for lieutenant governor was still to make the 84th district a better place to raise, work, and, and you know, live, work, and raise your family. You know, and the same thing when I, you know, when in the House of Delegates, I'm all about my constituents, but it's the rising tide that lifts all ships. I mean, look, neighbor, Jeter, and innovate. And you know, they'll bring back those delivery of robots. They've landed at George Mason and JMU, but one day I expect to see them at ODU, right? You know, when we grow that whole, uh, you know, you know, a new entity on not the, it's going to help Southwest Virginia once again, where more money, you know, doesn't have to go up that way. They're actually becoming a donor area into the into Richmond, which means more money can stay on our side. So, listen, it's the rising tide lifts all ships. But everything I do to help make all. all uh, Okay, Delegate. Now I have one final question for you today. Uh, what is the day one issue to work on in the next legislative cycle if you're reelected? Whoa, that, that's a great question, and I'll tell you the answer depends. Um, you know, if the, if, the, if the General Assembly, if, if the House of Delegates back Republican and we get a, a Republican governor, uh, it's still choice. It's making sure that Virginia is a leader in allowing um, uh, educational opportunities and resources available to all students to reach their full potential, regardless of zip code. Um, but we're going to need a Republican uh, governor and a Republican uh, General Assembly to be uh, to be able to push that through. But if we get that, that is the first uh, the first step. You want to solve a lot of problems and address a lot of issues, whether it's crime, um, whether it's workforce development. The way you do it is you start at the common denominator, which is education. Okay, well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, once again, I want to thank you for listening in. This has been another one of Elections Daily's uh, Virginia 2021 interviews. Once again, I am Joe Szymanski, and uh, I want to once again thank uh, Delegate Glenn Davis coming on with me. Once again, he is the Republican representing the 84th District in Virginia, and he is currently running for re-election. Delegate Davis, uh, once again, I want to thank you for coming on with me today. Joe, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.